Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Distribution First. Super excited to have Andy Smith, aka Andy Montana on LinkedIn on the show. Andy works at Hatchworks and I had the pleasure of being able to work with Hatchworks to start up their podcast at the beginning of this year. I also know Andy knows a ton about the content repurposing side as somebody who's actually executing on that, building up Hatchworks content strategy and working on all things content over there at Hatchworks. So pumped to have Andy on and chat. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Justin. Followed you for years and uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. So anybody who listens know I like I don't like the long introduction, so we're just going to get right into it and start chatting. So I'm curious, a lot of the either folks that I talk to, it's sort of like this before and after moment, like before focusing on distribution or repurposing and after focusing on repurposing and distribution. I know I had that experience when I started running content where it was like I sort of slogged through life and and eventually kind of found my way through it and was able to do that. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about where you were at, kind of your history with content, what you were doing, and then kind of maybe merge into what you all are doing now? Absolutely. Uh, you played a part in my journey, just to be frank. I was with a company called Edgelog many years ago, and we were putting on a client training conference, and it was an annual event. Typically, we held that event in Las Vegas. Due to the pandemic, we had our first ever virtual option. And being involved with a, a conference like that, the goal was not just to put on a great conference, but to walk away with a variety of content and assets that we could use, a whole plethora of different channels and uh, formats. And in that before moment, I really wasn't sure what to do. And I believe you were with Metadata at the time, and I became aware of your work. It was a, a light bulb moment, like, oh, this one event can fuel all the content needs we have for this entire year. 
And it's just about being mindful in the setup phase about what we want to get out of it, what's helpful to our audience, and making sure that we repeat all of those ideas through our, our social media marketing, our email marketing, our newsletter, our videos. And uh, watching what you were doing at that time, it just kind of opened my eyes. I'm not just a, a digital marketer, I'm a content marketer, and I need to tell a story. And your audience not always going to be present from page one through the end. You've got to be able to tell that story again and again, meet them where they are, and give them the materials to uh, follow that journey through at their own their own will. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking this weekend with my sister-in-law who she runs her own, own business, but has no interest or desire to learn marketing or wants to know marketing at all. And she was like, at, at my brother's like pushing to read uh Marketing Made Simple by Donald Miller and try to get to the story brain framework and those things like that. And being able to tell that story, like you said, not everybody's going to hit the same points. And it's not that you have to tell the story in its full capacity every time, but being able to tell that in different ways and be able to cut up that content. So what did you end up doing then on the event side? Did you end up repurposing that? If so, how? What did you do as your sort of V1 into the into the content repurposing space? Well, I know everybody asked this at the beginning of, of every meeting, but we made sure there was a recording first. And then we really went through that recording to look at the, the language that our customers use, the specific needs they have, the questions they were asking of our team. It gave us a blueprint of what well, you brought up story brand of jobs to be done. We were able to identify who our specific customers are, what they were looking to do with the software, and we were able to take the answers we had and repackage them in a, in a variety of different ways. You know, it might be a, a YouTube short, an animated explainer video. There's so many different things you can make, and I'm, I'm a big fan and an advocate of the omni-channel strategy where you're not just putting you know, a, a tweet out on, on Twitter and hoping it's gonna catch everybody. You take those little nuggets and you, you spread them throughout your content plan. You can have you know, a, a longer LinkedIn post, a compelling carousel on Instagram. You take all that knowledge and you spread it out in a format that's not just informative, but also entertaining and, and catchy and fun to look at. Then moving on to Hatchworks, you come in, did you come in as the first sort of content marketer or like what number of marketer were you when you got there, Andy? So I was the, the first marketing hire there. At that time, uh, Matt Page was our director of marketing. He's since become our, our VP of marketing and strategy. They had this moment where they realized outsourcing all of their marketing, their marketing strategy, their content development, it wasn't working for them. That's a viewpoint I really understand. I really advocate that companies have an internal marketing program and build up a team that not just reps the brand, but also helps to guide the company as a whole from department to department on the language we use, what we do for our customers, uh, really creating a content machine that not only answers questions that prospective customers might have, but also provides the internal team, whether that's the sales development group, client delivery, client success, giving them the information they need to make sure the customers are able to move through that journey and, and get all their answers, all their questions answered. That's another part too with the distribution side is utilizing your internal team members, utilizing sales, utilizing the other folks on the marketing team or anybody within the company who maybe is a SME or, or somebody else who who actually has the 
thoughts and the opinions and, and all those things that we can get into the podcast when we talk about that. But being able to utilize those as pieces within the larger distribution framework, I think is a useful way to kind of measure that up. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, company pages on social media aren't doing very well anymore. And we've started to think about our people as a channel, as a distribution tactic. Um, so we're not just creating content to rep the brand and to reach the customers. We're also creating content to give our team a voice and to help them build their personal brand and encourage them to network. And uh, if you're data-minded, it's a really fun exercise. LinkedIn's got some great tools that are helping us evaluate which companies we're reaching and which specific positions. Um, so we're always tweaking our content, trying to reach the right audience and make sure we're as relevant as possible for their needs. So what are you guys doing then to sort of spur that on? I know that was something when I was at Metadata, something when I was at TechSmith. I think it's regardless of what company you're at, once you kind of start into that personal brand or just company brand as with the employees, like employee advocacy, I guess is probably the term that a lot of people use for this. How are you all, I guess, making that sort of a priority? And then how are you actually trying to take action on that right now? Well, first off, I want to say it's not for everyone. There's a lot of employees who are disengaged with social media and that's okay. We don't put any pressure on them to you know, participate in something that's distasteful to their person. Once that's out of the way, it's really about maximizing our time and our energy and making sure we're always learning. I think the, the learning aspect is important. If you're going to network and build up a personal brand, you have to become somewhat of a subject matter expert. You can't just be a reporter. And that means practicing, focusing, narrowing down your subject expertise, and as a, a marketing manager, the challenge of creating content for a lot of different personal brands is it's not going to be a hit for everyone. We don't necessarily have the time to, you know, create that sort of narrow casted content for every employee. So when we begin the repurposing process, we're looking for themes that are relevant to our team and their audience. Because we're in the custom services space, that might be engineering and software development. It might be product design, product management. It could be the customer success end of things. Generally, the content we're creating, it does speak to all of those different topic hubs. We just need to help our team connect the pieces. And we try to give them a variety of content that's not just stuff that's going to show up on the company page, but stuff that might be fun for their audience as well. Do you have a small group of those people then who are from the sounds of it that are active and that you've sort of like, I guess, gathered or recruited, if you will, just maybe not recruited, that might be too strong, but just kind of asked what's going on? We started with a short list of, uh, you know, who are our thought leaders and our social media influencers. And then there's also those employees who are, you know, maybe lurkers and scrollers to some extent. They're present, but not always participating in the conversation. Once we knew who those people were, it was just a matter of bringing them together, providing some real basic guidelines. We created a, a Slack channel to coordinate all of our posts and provide content. And really just being consistent and maintaining frequency has been the key there. We're creating content all the time and making sure that they have access to it is a big part of making sure it gets out the door. Not thinking about the people who don't want anything to do with the employee advocacy side, they don't want to post because that's a whole different strategy. But thinking about the people who do, what are the hangups for those folks who want to be able to 
help distribute the content, want to be able to take the things that you are, what are the biggest hangups that you see with those folks? Oh, that's a great question. I think the biggest hangup is everyone is busy. Everyone has a role and a purpose at their job. And usually social media and especially sharing thought leadership pieces, it's, it's asking the team to do a little bit extra. And, you know, the best I can say is sometimes we've got to do what's expected of us and help share the company message. And those that do the best with it, they take what we provide and they personalize it, they customize it for their audience, they they share it with people that it, they think would get value out of it. With our growth team, when we're able to produce a piece of content and they can share that directly via email or LinkedIn messaging with someone that they know will get something out of it. That's the absolute best. There's absolutely, you know, an occurrence of people posting just the generic company page content. You can't really get around that. You just have to keep giving them the tools to succeed and pointing out, you can customize this, you can put it in your voice, you can make this message relevant for your audience and not just the company's audience. I think that helps. Absolutely. I think it's tough too, because I know as a, content marketer specifically, you would think even within marketing that that would be a, a, maybe a natural sort of thing for somebody like creating content or doing those type of things. I can tell you it is not a natural thing for everybody, even every marketer. And so it can be a slog. Like you said, it's another thing that you have to do or that you think you have to do. But I think in the long term, it can have a massive effect. I think maybe not as massive potentially as a couple of years ago, you know, 2020, when everybody was stuck at home and there was nothing else to do, but interact online. Um, you know, I feel like when we saw like the waves of the gongs of the world and in companies like that, that really sort of built their back on employee advocacy, drift, et cetera. Like, I still think there's room for that and, and a playbook to be done there. But yeah, it definitely takes some intentionality from the company. So I'm curious, kind of pivoting a bit off of that. Can you walk through some of maybe what your overall sort of content strategy is right now. What are you all doing at Hatchworks? Kind of what does a week in the life of Andy and the content team at Hatchworks look like? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So we start everything with a strategic focus. One thing I mentioned to you was the story brand's job to be done statements. And from a marketing standpoint, our company has several different audiences. We have our, our revenue audience. We're looking at business leaders, transformation leaders, engineering leaders. But there's also a recruiting aspect of that where we're trying to bring the next generation of software engineers on board. Uh, so we have to maintain a balance between that revenue-focused content and the talent-focused content. And that's challenging because one puts money in the bank and the other adds you know, team members. We're always trying to keep a mindful split between those two and making sure the content appeals to both audiences. The nice thing about social media is the young people are present. The flip side is a lot of our targeted audience is not always present. So even when we balance things, there's still a distribution challenge that's always gonna be there. When we're creating content, we're generally looking at I think this is straight from your uh, content repurposing roadmap, but we're looking at both demand generation and demand capture. Uh, so we have a content calendar and spreadsheet where we're doing all of our SEO research. We're looking at things like volume and relevance and trying to define where we fit in. If we have content ideas and 
there's nothing but saturation in the market from big names. We know, you know, hey, this isn't a hub we want to build out because it'll be way too competitive. But the hubs are really something we're focused on. Within your content repurposing roadmap, you've got that 3C method with the cornerstone core and cut content. We're generally focused on a weekly basis of creating that core content, whether it's new blog posts, new podcast episodes, those become the cut content, which is social posts, emails. I spend a lot of my time there just repurposing core content into cut content. But our our long-term goal is to build up really useful content hubs, which I, I think fits into your cornerstone method. So while we're focused on the core, we're always building up those cornerstone pieces. And those cornerstone pieces allow us to have content, not just for the next quarter, but for the next year as well. We don't plan too far ahead when we're working on our, our content calendar, maybe a quarter out is mo- at most. I think it's important to keep in mind that things change, priorities change, teams change. So we don't want to get too committed to work that might not be done. Got to be nimble and agile and ready to move when the moment calls for it. So are there any specifics about the content research and planning you want me to get into? Maybe in a second. I, I Just to speak on that as well, with the length of your content calendar, I talk about this a lot too. The very first time I ever built out a content calendar, like they put me in charge of it. And I don't know, when you're put in charge of something new for the first time, it's like, oh, I got to get this perfect. Got to build this thing out. It's going to be so great. I like had this big calendar that I printed out and put on the wall. I built out this huge six-month plan for all this blog content we were going to do and how we're going to lay it out and how it fit with all these themes. And that was January and February of 2020. And so I had a six-month plan that blew up in a matter of no time. And everything that I had planned out no longer mattered because who cares about X, Y, and Z when there's this you know crisis going on? But what that did was it taught me the importance of what you said, being agile, being flexible, being able not to be so tied to what your plan was or not being concerned with having to plan out everything. There was a time in content marketing, I remember, like especially with really like PR-heavy, PR-central content plans that revolved, or even early social media that revolved around things like holidays or events or sort of these like flagpole things that you try to build around. And there's still some of that to some regard. But for the most part, I think there's wisdom in planning. <laughs> that was a, unfortunately a hard lesson that I had to learn and maybe other people had to learn too, specifically at that time. But you just saying that rings really true to me to where it's not always necessary to have some big gargantuan content plan in a content calendar. I think that's what people want to lean into first is like, oh, what's your content calendar? What does your content calendar look like? And for me, I know when I was at Metadata, we were planning at max a quarter ahead because stuff would stuff would come up, things would change, and you just have to be kind of willing and able to go with the flow from time to time. Yeah, I've learned not to be a perfectionist. At Hatchworks, one of our core values is to always iterate to improve. So I've, you know, I've sunk time into projects where nothing has come to fruition and you just can't get too attached to the work. Things change. That said, I do think it's important to make a plan, make flexibility part of that plan, and trust the plan. Not to say that the plan is everything, but consistency and frequency work wonders for you. Yeah, totally. You said early on that you spend a lot of time repurposing, figuring out how to distribute that content, whether it's email, whether it's... I'm curious, A, what are you repurposing? 
maybe we'll start there. What are you repurposing on kind of the weekly basis? And then B, how do you figure out what the heck to repurpose? Like there's so much stuff that's probably floating through your ecosystem. So yeah, let's start there. There's a lot to unpack there. I think prioritization is a really good place to start. You can't be everything for everyone and you can't do everything all at once. So you have to be mindful of your own limitations, what you can accomplish within your schedule. And as I said, leaving room for change, anticipating that things don't always go as planned. That said, the thing that we're most focused on repurposing is the Built Right podcast. It's a show about how to build the right digital product the right way. We have a bi-weekly schedule, so there's new content every two weeks. We repurpose that into a series of teaser videos, blog posts, uh, social posts, and email. And the process is really great. We've been working with Amy Woods and Content10x. They do a wonderful job of breaking down what we provide them into a series of social posts. On our end, we're also trying to create unique assets to accompany the podcast so that we're not just sharing thought leadership and useful how-tos, but actually providing templates and things that can be used by our our listeners. Outside of the podcast, we're doing a little bit of that demand capture and demand generation, which is a combination of SEO blog posts and then our team's thought leadership. Uh, Thought leadership has been consistent since I joined this company. It's it's really a blessing. Uh, The leadership here is always willing to share their opinion. They work hard and study hard to make sure they're experts in their field. So for me, it's it's just been a matter of sharing their voice and their insight with people. Social media is the go-to, but even on social, the trick is catching people's attention. You know, is it going to be a lengthy text post? Video is great and really engaging, but also short-lived. You know, might get a lot of likes for a couple days and then it's out of the ecosystem. We're trying to get that thought leadership out, but to also repurpose bi-directionally where... Let's say they appear on a podcast, we take a few nuggets and create a social post. It might also go the other way, where they said something on a podcast and we think, wow, that's relevant to our customers. Let's get you to expand on this idea. Let's take that little quote or those couple sentences and build out a how-to guide or even a a full-length article. Yeah, so that's kind of the content machine. We're focused on podcast, blog, thought leadership. One thing I really enjoy about it is we are always creating new content. That said, we're trying to be mindful. You know, let's spend 20% of our time creating this new content, 80% of the time strategizing about who's going to read it, how we're going to get it in front of them, and how we're going to follow up with them after they do read it. Yeah, love that. And I think to your point earlier, when you're talking about When I first asked, uh, how do you decide, rather than saying like, oh, this one take or this theme even, you said, well, what can we do in a reasonable amount? What can we do with the people we have in place? And I think that's so key to be able to understand that what you're able to do based on the resources and that maybe you do have resources to outsource, to have somebody manage and do some of those things but you're much, 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 much better off. And I think we were talking about this earlier. You're so much better off doing less, but doing it at a better quality and not being worried necessarily about 
building the biggest content library or the biggest and best content calendar or the biggest, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's about having better. I think we're moving on from this world of, you know, big plans and big sort of content clusters and all those things that sort of maybe traditionally ran content marketing to a world where you're going to have to be better than everybody else. And you're really going to have to create content that's tailored for your specific audience. I think you all do a great job of that, of nailing who your audience was. I know when we started working together, you all have it down into who you're trying to market to, who those people are, what matters to them. And that's the building block to all the rest of the stuff, because I say this all the time too, but if your content is bad at the top, cutting it up and repurposing it and distribute it is not going to help anything. It's only going to make things worse. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned quality and it, it reminded me of this little bit of wisdom I got from uh, Pep Laha from Winter. And he advocates that you test everything in low f- fidelity at first. You have an idea for you know a compelling social campaign, you know, make a little text post, see if it resonates. And if it does, then build on that idea, iterate upon it, actually build it into a content cluster, but make sure you're testing your ideas before you try to scale them. Yeah, it's something I think I just had a, a couple of weeks ago, somebody on talking about creator economy. I think it's something creators do really well. It's something that I'm starting to hear in more and more of the conversations that I'm having with different folks who are running content is the need to validate on social and use social email, et cetera, as validation, email less so, but definitely social because you can get that immediate sort of feedback. Did you get likes? Did you get engagement? Did people interact with it or did they not? And again, that's not a always a 100% metric that you can go off of, but one of the best pieces of content I've made this year came off of a simple... LinkedIn post that then got turned into a podcast episode, got turned into a newsletter, just continue to recycle. But I only knew that that was interesting because the folks on LinkedIn were like, oh, this is interesting. We want more, like expand on this. That was literally the only way I would know that that was interesting or not. We had some quantitative data that told us a similar story. I wrote a blog post and this was on the software developer shortage. And it was not something I was happy with while I was working on it. And I knew this is going to go out the door. It's going to have my name on it. And it's not my best work. Like I I just had this inkling, I, I need to make better content here. That said, we published it. I told the team, hey, I don't think this is my best. And I think we need to revisit it. That said, the traffic from Google was significant. One of our most popular pieces of all year. As I'm seeing the analytics inch up, I'm getting a little nervous. Like, I don't know if I put all of myself into this. I think I could have done a better job answering our customer questions. And I was just mindful of this the whole time. I think I made a mistake and it's published. What do I do? Talked with the team about it for months and months and we've kind of finally found the solution. The whole generative AI topic came around and we decided part of our content repurposing in order to reach that cornerstone level, we're not just going to put out a, a podcast. We're going to start doing some live events, some webinars, and actually engaging with our audience so we can get more live feedback, so to say. And the webinar that we're working on right now, it, it's kind of provided all the answers. We brought in a subject matter expert. And just being mindful that that piece needed to evolve and change was really important because a couple months later, all the pieces have started to fall into place. We've got a subject matter expert who can really speak to the industry's needs. The team is aware of what we need to work on. And 
it's really important. You don't just publish and leave it out there forever. You, you continue to iterate. I think if you can get the perfectionism out of your system and focus on done and good enough, get that stuff published, and then come back and re revise when you have qualitative data that tells you what your customers actually needed out of it. So that's been exciting for me this year. Even the work I'm not proud of is being reborn in a new light. So always repurposing, always looking for a, a way to remix. Yeah, I love that. I think anybody who's ever created anything can empathize with you in that way to say like, I'm creating this thing. You know, we'd love obviously everything we create, we're into and it's the best. It's going to be, you know, like I talked about, but we all know that's not the case. There are things that we have to put out and or there are things we're working on where it's just a slog to get through whatever that thing is that we're making. And I think the interesting part with that is A, you're taking the time to go and circle back and update it with other pieces of content that are going to get created. But B, now you probably have this plan of moving forward. I would think anyway, moving forward, if you were in that spot, as you're building out that outline or building out that story, maybe that just becomes a single LinkedIn post or that becomes a tweet thread or, you know, something small scale where you can at least test the ideas to be like, yep, validate that I was right. This is not the path that this needs to go. Or you get that one comment underneath on a LinkedIn post that takes that post in a totally different direction. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing the type of qualitative feedback you can get when you connect with your audience. Yeah. For sure. Before we wrap up, one of the questions that I always like to ask content folks who come on the show is about measurement, because I think it's one of the biggest question marks we have. And I know doing things like a podcast, even doing things like a thought leadership, SEO is probably the easiest thing to purely measure from a content standpoint of, hey, we're ranking for X amount of keywords or look at all of the organic sessions we have based on these posts. But I'm curious, how do you measure the success of your content program? What are the things you're looking at both from a quantitative side and a qualitative side? There's a couple different ways we measure that. We're really close-knit as a company and we we have all of our goals aligned from department to department. There's no sales and marketing split necessarily. We're, we're part of one team working towards the same goal, everybody pulling on the same rope. So every quarter we have uh, a few highly outrageous targets that we're trying to hit. Uh, those are generally narrowed down you know, department by department. For us, we're focused on those leading indicators that help us reach the big goals. So that's gonna be things like how much traffic are we bringing to the website? How are our paid ads performing on an SEO side? You know, Are we getting eyeballs on the content we're creating? Anytime you're creating SEO content, I, I think it's important that you're making it for a human and not a, a search engine and actually making sure people are reading through those things, hitting a subscription button, filling out a contact us form. Those are all indicators we look at month to month. There's a lot of marketing analytics that are just unsatisfactory in nature. You know, you look at social media performance, click on the likes of any B2B brand and you're gonna see all of their employees liking that content. So I, I don't find those analytics very useful. That's when I think you wanna look at the qualitative side of things. You know, are we reaching people from companies on our target list? Are they commenting, sharing, engaging with us? I think 
you can't always trust the analytics on social to tell you what you need to know. But those are the big ones for us. Web analytics, email marketing, our subscriber base, and if it's growing week after week. I think it's been challenging the past couple of years as we come out of that pandemic. The zeitgeist has changed a little bit. People are back in in-person meetings. They're not reading as much content as they were a couple of years ago. We've got to be on our toes. We're always looking at trend changes to make sure if we are making a mistake, we catch it in weeks rather than months. It's a challenge, but you got to be in the numbers. I spend more time in spreadsheets than I'd care to. <laughs> yeah, definitely one of those things, especially as you start to understand and unpack and try to build those strategies. You have to be in the numbers. You have to understand what's working. You have to understand what's not. And that helps guide that strategy forward because otherwise you'll just keep repeating the same things you've always done. But, you know, re repetition is a, a really good thing with content. Have to keep in mind that most people have not seen the majority of the content you're putting out. I think of it as like the chorus of a song and repeating ideas in your content. It's like the melody of understanding and every reprise increases clarity with your audience. Yeah, definitely. It's something I talk about all the time is with repetition your audience is being bombarded. Think about your own personal, all the things you're bombarded with every single day from email to things that your family is dealing with to YouTube to the news to your social feeds. It's just like just nonstop bombardment of information, entertainment, education, all those things. And so... To think that any person outside your company knows there are people inside your company that don't know what's going on. I can guarantee you that as well. So the idea that people outside your company, oh, they know exactly what I posted and they read through that and they looked through it all. No, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Those are just opportunities to, like you said, keep trying to build upon that melody and really make it music. I know that's a that's another story brandism, but make it music instead of just noise out in the marketplace. One of the uh, content myths I really love from your repurposing roadmap is that repurposing is boring. And I've added a little bit to that where when our team starts to think, hey, maybe this content is boring. I've, I've seen it too much. Got to stop them right there. Like, well, no, you've seen it too much. Like, this is our job. This is our content. Of course, we've got eyes on it. We work on it every day. But our customers, they rarely see the content. And they're, as you said, trying to filter just a completely saturated market of information at all times. Yeah, I say it all the time, but by the time you get bored of hearing your own message, your audience is just starting to catch on. Bingo. <laughs> I know I've been in these meetings. I'm sure you've been in these meetings before, but we as marketers often spend way too much time internally working on different plans and it goes back to these big plans and these quarterly plans even to where we're trying to release this thing and by the time we've spent all this momentum and we get it out and we hit publish and it's out in the world and it's live we never want to see that thing again as long as it lives because i have been working on this i know when we did benchmark reports at metadata when i did video viewer studies at TechSmith, these big quarterly cornerstone types of content pieces I had to plan distribution ahead of time with those things. Otherwise, it would have been the last thing on earth I ever wanted to look at again because I was sick of talking about those things and trying to figure out what to do with them. So that was one learning too I had where I was like, okay, if I'm going to plan these out, I'm going to A, it's going to save me now, but it's going to save me in the long run too. Absolutely. That's great.
Well, Andy, it's been awesome having you on. Thanks for coming on chatting all things distribution, repurposing, your content strategy. Uh, loved getting to kind of hear the backstory of, of where you were at and how you kind of evolved Hatchworks content uh, throughout over the last year or so. Thanks for coming on, Andy. Thanks for having me, Justin. It was a pleasure. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.